0: It is a rather august month that has begun today. Can you believe it? August 1. Good to see everybody. Glad that you're here today for this time of worship. Uh, And if you are uh, here as a visitor, we're glad to have you here and uh, hope that you'll come back to worship with us on many, many future occasions. We want to remind everyone who has signed up for the elementary music camp that it will begin tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., in the adult choir room back right behind the sanctuary. Jessica and Katie look forward to seeing you there. Um, And then all of you are invited to join us in in the social hall on Thursday evening, August the 5th, at 6.45 p.m. for a dinner theater uh, as the children will be performing down by the Creek Bank. Please let the office, June, and the office know uh, by, thir- by Tuesday, excuse me, by Tuesday if you'll be able to be there so we'll have uh, adequate supplies for you. Also, another time to eat this week. Please plan to join us Wednesday night as our first Wednesday Suppers uh, fellowship suppers return after taking a part of the summer off. It's at 5:30 on Wednesday night in the social hall. Uh, It will be a catered meal, including chicken, green beans, mac and cheese, rolls, and for the children, there will be pizza. Um, I forget what the charge is. I believe it's like $7 for adults and less for the children, Um, but there are also activities for the children after we eat, so we hope that you can be present for that this coming Wednesday night. Sylvia Pitts, one of our members, had very serious surgery on Friday, and it apparently was very successful surgery for cancer of a in the lung, and uh, is still a patient over at Spartanburg Hospital. So please remember her in your prayers. Uh, I look out, and I think I see Brett. Is that Brett Clickamp sitting there? Brett is a couple of weeks away from leaving us to go to basic training down in Georgia. Uh, Our thoughts and prayers will be with him as he goes to serve our country and military. Other of our youth are getting ready to head back to to college. And next Sunday morning, uh, Penny and I will be up in Valparaiso, Indiana, which is almost as far as you can go without falling into Lake Michigan. Uh, our son is being institutionalized. He's getting married, institution of marriage, uh, next uh, Sunday. So we'll be up there and my good friend George Riser will be here to be a guest preacher and hope that you will enjoy him uh, very much. Um, and our, your thoughts and prayers with us as we travel is also uh, greatly appreciated. Let us now begin our time together in worship. Faith is the Apostles' Creed. Let us unite in this historic confession of the Christian faith. I believe you, in God, God the Father Lord, Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and, earth, and in and Jesus Christ, His only Son, of our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate,
1: was crucified, dead and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence you shall
0: come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the cleaners of sins, the 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 resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Be seated, please. This time we'd like to invite Katie Jeter, uh, rather, we'd like to invite the children to join Katie Jeter for a few moments this shared.
2: you still waking up? You're so quiet. It's kind of rainy outside on a quiet day, isn't it? Well, I want to read you a Bible verse, and then I have something to give you. There's a Bible verse in Luke, chapter 12, and it's verse 15, and it says, Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. What do you think that means? Did you understand all those... Big words. A man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. To me, that means it doesn't really matter how much stuff we have. Is that that kind of a good summary of that verse? Well, I brought a few things with me this morning. This is my favorite candy. What is this? Reese's, and it's huge, isn't it? It's the king size. Then I bought this little tiny Milky Way, and I wanted to give this to y'all to share, I'm going to keep the Reese's, That's my favorite. So, John, you want to hold that? Maybe y'all could share that. (laughs) That wasn't very nice of me, was it? Oh, you can't have it. Okay, well, y'all want to all share this? That wouldn't be very easy to do, would it? Look how little it is. Especially if I keep this king size for myself. That's not very nice, is it? Well, did you know that there's a story in the Bible kind of like that? Well, there is, and it's in Luke. And we might laugh at that story, but Jesus used a story like that to teach us something. And the story that Jesus told was about a man who was just like I was with my candy. He said, the man was very rich and he had a farmland and he had a lot of crops that grew on his land. So the man planted all of his crops and his land did really well, so it grew a lot. And the man asked himself, well, what should I do with this big harvest? I don't even have room in my barn to store all these things. What do you think the man did since he didn't have room for everything? Do you think he shared it? Well, actually, he didn't. Did you know that, Stuart? He didn't share it. Do what? You did too? Have you heard this story? Well, what he did is he instead said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down the barns that I have right now And I'm going to build bigger ones. So that he could still keep all of his food, and he would have room to store it all, and he could enjoy it all. He could eat, drink, and be merry with all that he grew. And you know what God told the rich man? He called him a fool. And he said, you will die this very night. And then who will get everything? Because when we go to heaven, do we need all of our things? No. Do we need our king-sized Reese's? No. So, God is good, and he has given most of us more than we will ever need, just like this farmer had. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is what we're going to do with it. Do you think that we can do what we think that farmer should have done and share it? Yeah. So, if we don't have room for all of our candy or all of our toys, maybe we can give it to others instead of being like that farmer who was foolish. Is that a good idea? Do you think we can do that? And actually... I have a bag back here, and I have enough for everybody to have one. So y'all can take one of those before you leave, but first, will you pray with me? Or we can get candy first. You want to get one? Stuart, you want one? Okay. Will you pray with me? Will you repeat after me? Okay. Dear God, you have blessed us with more than we need help us to be generous and to share with others amen
0: the beginning of our second hymn, in a few minutes, our children are invited to go to the library uh, with Beverly Davis to look look at some books, since this is the first Sunday it's when they do that. Beverly, I'd like you to check some IDs, though, because I've seen some adults get up and leave my sermon, too. And, you know, anybody who's not a child, we may want to check in on that. Our Old Testament lesson is Hosea 11, verses 1 through 11. Very poetic statement of God's deep love for his people. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? Swords will flash in their cities and destroy the bars of their gates and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn away from me. Even if they call to the Most High, he will by no means exalt them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I turn and devastate Ephraim. For I am God and not man, the Holy One among you. I will not come in wrath. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like birds from Egypt, like doves from Assyria. And I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is Psalm 107, uh, found on page 830 in your hymnal. I invite you to turn to that and stand as you're able as we share this passage of Scripture responsively. <clears throat> oh, give thanks to the Lord who is good, whose steadfast love endures forever. Let's Let's Some wandered in desert waste finding no city in which to dwell. Then in their trouble they cried to the Lord who delivered them from their distresses. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wonderful works to humankind. The Lord turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground. A fruitful land into the salty place
3: because of the wickedness of its
0: inhabitants. The Lord turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. The Lord
1: lets a an hungry dog there, and
0: they establish a city in the city. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield.
3: They multiply greatly by the blessing of the Lord, who does not let
0: their gathering When they are diminished and brought low, through oppression, trouble, and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt upon princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But the
1: Lord raises them the needy out of afflictions, and makes their families our flocks.
0: The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness stops its mouth. We do Reading is Colossians three one through eleven. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and image of its creator. Here there is no Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but in Christ, but Christ is all and is in all. Here ends the lesson. Us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we give you great thanks for your caring love for us. We are so very thankful that you called us together as your people, even as you called Israel out of. Egypt, many years ago, and created them as your first covenant community. So, you have called us together to live in covenant with you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're grateful that as you tended to the flock of Israel during their times of straying from you, and you said you would never forget your love for them, how wonderful it is to know that in Christ Jesus. Your love for us never ends and you will never forget us also because, Lord, we at times are like that first covenant community. We stray from your will and way. We become caught up in things of temporal existence and of very, very vanishing importance, forgetting those things which are of ultimate importance. But you have a way of bringing us back on course again and again in our individual lives as Christians and also you bring us back as a people of faith, the Christian community. We're thankful that the church is of God and belongs to you and that you are guiding the future of your church even as you guide the human family on its way We are grateful for this. Lord, forgive us when we become so caught up with the things that we can have in life that we forget the importance of caring for one another and the importance of growing spiritually, the importance of laying up treasure for ourselves in heaven where nothing destroys those good treasures Cause us to be reminded of things of greatest importance so that we will not be found as those who are unprepared when our time comes to stand before you, not only as our Lord and Savior, but as our judge. Lord, we remember our friends in times of need and illness. We are thankful for your renewing presence in our lives, your healing power given to us again and again in life. And so we lift those to you now who need your loving care and healing touch. And we remember those who are suffering this day with uh, from invisible wounds, emotional illnesses and traumas of life. Lord, we lift these to you especially that you might touch them as Jesus touched so many with your love that you might make them well, we pray all these things through Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving. Great things about getting older is you do get forgetful, but even when you don't forget, some people are afraid you're going to. Uh, this morning during our closing hymn, we'll be inviting some folks to come forward to be welcomed into the congregation, and if you are in that category of others that may want to come join us, you may uh, you're welcome to join those that will be coming at that time during our final hymn. And uh, those in the choir who thought I'd forgotten, thank you. I do appreciate that very much. That'll- Because I am forgetting everything these days. uh, uh, And speaking of getting older, um, last week was a wonderful experience. I sat here looking out and seeing Ralph laugh the whole service. I think he was the only one who noticed that I was fighting a new partial that I had been given. I found out that um, some of you have had these for years, so you know what I'm talking about. But it's a definite disadvantage to preachers because of all the words that I can't say with a partial. One of them is Jesus. You know, I had to apply for disability, I guess. Several times last week I heard, you know, (coughs) Jesus. So we'll have to return to dental care to see how I'm going to manage that. I went to a specialist this week and he said, sure, I can fix it. Take it out. So thank you. I also want to say that um, uh, I finally got John Jameson where I want him. Uh, I was able to do something nice for John recently. And so now he owes me something. And so what I'm wanting to hear from John, I either want to hear something said in public about how wonderful it is to have laws that make you have back pressure testing on home water sprinkler systems. I think he could do that. Or maybe something nice about Obama. That would be real good. (laughs) That will be fun. Moving on to sermons. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21 is the gospel lesson for the day, and it is a wonderful text. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, Who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? And then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A person's life does not consist on the abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. A ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I will tear down Remember me back up I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my good, and I will say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. And who will get what you've prepared for yourself then? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Here ends the lesson. The title of the sermon today, He Who Dies With The Most Toys, comes from that widely circulated modern proverb, He Who Dies With The Most Toys Wins. It pokes a little fun at all of us especially those of us who are striving so hard to get ahead of our neighbors, trying to accumulate more things than anybody else. Life is a game of monopoly. The one who owns the most property with motels on it wins the game of life. Let's be honest with ourselves and one another. Jesus' parable about the rich man makes us just a little bit uncomfortable. What's wrong with this man becoming very successful, so successful that he has to tear down his little barns and big, bigger barns? That's the American way, isn't it? Hey, I've been trying to reap greater harvest and build bigger barns for myself my whole life, especially considering what little barn my family had when I was born. What's wrong with stockpiling for the future? Isn't it wise to save for a rainy day? Didn't Joseph warn Pharaoh to set aside extra grain for the lean years that were about to come upon Egypt? With old age coming our way, we all hope to store away enough in our retirement barns so that we can someday take life easy to eat, drink, and be merry. We all want to get ahead in life, don't we? And so this parable makes us just a little bit uncomfortable. We struggle with this and other teachings of Jesus about money and wealth. Why did Jesus talk so much about money? Do you know he had more to say about money than any other single subject? He said that repentant sinners, even the vilest of sinners... Would be welcomed into God's kingdom, but it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for any rich person to get into heaven. While preachers in America today love to preach about various moral issues, Jesus really had very little to say about those things. And he had a whole lot to say about money. If he were preaching today in America, I don't think he'd be a very popular preacher. He might even want to, uh, to threaten some of our well-established ideas about security. And we might want to join the group that conspired against him. We want Jesus to be talking to somebody else. Those evil folks over there, not us. And surely we don't want to appear to be hypocrites to anybody. And so we, relatively rich Americans, cannot help but squirming just a little bit when Jesus opens up upon us his harshest criticisms. Jesus told this parable in response to a man who had hoped to drag Jesus into a family disagreement. In those days, upon the death of a father... The property would be handed down to the eldest son, but the younger sons were allowed um, a portion of the disposable goods. Unfortunately, there wasn't much in the law to protect young ladies in those days. And so this family was having some trouble, and they wanted Jesus to help them. Jesus not only refused to, to enter into the debate, but he saw something even more troublesome than the division of inherited possessions, namely greed. It's one thing to want to have enough, but it's another thing to become obsessed with the getting. And perhaps that's the point here. Perhaps it's one thing for us to work to get ahead in life, and another thing to become so obsessed with it that we ignore things of more and greater importance. The dictionary defines greed as the excessive desire to possess wealth or goods. Along with wrath, laziness, pride, lust, envy, and gluttony, it's considered one of the seven deadly sins. And it will surely get you on Oprah, especially if you run up a credit card bill of around $100,000. While we all get angry at times, We know it's a deadly and dangerous thing when anger becomes all-consuming wrath. We all get hungry, but we all know what happens if we spend too much time at the buffet. We all want possessions, but when we go overboard and become possessed by our love for possessions, it turns into greed, and that is dangerous. When it does, then we've lost the awareness of what is really important in life. And that drew this concern from Jesus. Be on your guard against all forms of greed. Fulfillment in life, Jesus said, does not come through the obsession with accumulating things. What is it about greed that can be so dangerous to us? Perhaps Jesus' hearers back then understood some things about the man in the parable that that we don't think about. For one thing, it seems that the farmer's first era was he was very self-centered. You see, there was a custom in the ancient world, and even a custom commanded by God, that farmers were supposed to intentionally leave behind some unharvested crops in the field. So that the poor, especially the orphans and the widows, would have some place to go and gather food for themselves. Poor people were allowed to glean the fields, is the term, to pick the leftovers for themselves. But it would appear from this story that the farmer took all the grain into his barn for himself. Perhaps he didn't care what happened to the poor around him, just as long as his barns were stuffed. Someone who grew up in coal country up in West Virginia told me recently that back in the days when the mines were running at full operation, full capacity, trucks packed with coal would come around those mountains so fast that huge chunks of coal would be flung off of the back of those trucks. Those lumps of coal were then picked up by poor people and taken home to heat their houses. Some young entrepreneurs even picked up that coal and would go to market to sell it so that they might have some money to spend on other things. And that was how gleaning was accomplished up in coal country. Gleaning is still a way that the poor are cared for in many parts of the world. Jesus' hearers would have probably realized that the picture that Jesus was painting of this farmer was uh, that of one who was not very generous toward his neighbor's as he should have been. If we get so busy saving for a rainy day that we ignore the cries of the needy around us today, we might need to hear Jesus' warning about greed. There does need to be a balance between our saving and our giving. Secondly, it might have occurred to Jesus' hearers that perhaps this man had not been diligent about tithing his harvest as he was commanded in Scripture to do. It was fine for him to have plenty for tomorrow as long as he paid his tithe to take care of the less fortunate around him. In Malachi 3.8, we are told that those who refused to give God their tithes and offerings were robbing God. It's always interesting to me that whenever we get around to talking about tithing in the church, that means you know, giving 10% to God, we begin debating about what is counted as the basis of our giving. With a huge chunk of our salary already taken out for taxes and Social Security, should we reduce our salaries by these amounts before we calculate a tithe of our giving, uh, a tithe for our church? The reason that I find this discussion humorous is is that we are so far from tithing as a society that it's uh, a little funny to think about the average per capita giving around the world by Christians is two percent. So I say to people, yes, go ahead and reduce your salary by what the government withholds and then tithe what's left. It'll jack up our giving tremendously. The percentage would even go up. Donations would go up. In fact, If all Christians in America would go on welfare and then tithe what they received from welfare, church offerings would go way up. American Christians gave a higher percentage of their incomes to the church during the Great Depression than we did during the time of prosperity in the 90s. Last year, only 9% of Christians worldwide tithed. We spend more on deodorants and cosmetics than we do on missions to the world to save the lost. When you and I are so busy filling our own barns and making sure that they look nice and smell good, we fail to give what we should to God. And perhaps we need to listen if Jesus wants to say to us, watch out. Guard against all kinds of greed. Thirdly, greed is dangerous because it blinds us to things that are really important in life. The farmer in this parable had been very successful. He had built bigger barns and he had plenty for future years. But what he didn't have was future years. His life was cut short, as happens so very often here on earth. This very night, your life will be demanded from you, Jesus said. Then, who will get what you prepared for yourself? The folly of greed is that you can't take it with you, and somebody else gets what you've set aside for yourself. Reverend Lawrence Wood, who is a United Methodist pastor up in Michigan, wrote about about attending an estate sale for one of his church members named Edna, a dear woman who collected those Hummel figurines. Edna had died, and now her children were cleaning out her house. Reverend Wood says, Now the auctioneer calls out Lot 152, a collection of 400 Hummels. Eyes roll, and knowing smiles break out, but no one bids. The auctioneer looks at the estate agent The agent looks at Edna's oldest daughter. A lifetime's hobby and a person's identity has come down to this. It's almost possible to hear Jesus asking, and these hummels, whose will they be now? Like Edna, we fill our barns with things that we might value, but that someone else might consider worthless junk. And all we take from us from this world to the next is the treasure that we have laid up for ourselves in heaven through our faith in God and our acts of mercy and kindness. You know, I've spent a lot of time across the years talking with older folks as they look back over the years of their lives. Many of them have regrets. And most of the regrets that they have is that they spent too many hours working for their boss and not enough time playing with their children. Greed can blind us to what really matters. I'm afraid that greed is leaving its mark upon us as a society in America today. We have a terrific society. We have a wonderful educational system that is designed to help people get ahead to become successful lawyers, doctors, teachers, chefs, auto mechanics, farmers, whatever. And we tell all of our children to get all the education that they will need so that they can have a job that will make life easier and more meaningful so they can buy lots of things. We inspire our children with the hope of getting really big bucks so that they will be able to buy lots of junk. But we don't inspire them to learn so that they might be willing to make great sacrifices for the good of this world in order to serve God, his church, or our fellow human beings. We don't give them the right carrot in front of them dangling to inspire their lives. Have you known that many people who were willing to go off to foreign mission fields serve. We've had a few from this community to do that and I've known a few that grew up in the churches where I was pastor who left to go to foreign mission fields. I know one young person, a friend of our son's, who today is in Morocco in the Peace Corps, fulfilling a dream that she had for years before she finished high school. But not many people are inspired in those kind of ways. Not many people are hearing God's call to become preachers and teachers in the church. We entice our children to learn and get ahead so they can buy things. But at least those of us in the church should be dangling a cross of self sacrifice in front of our children, saying, This is what life's all about. Life is waiting for them, real life, life worth calling life. And it's found through sacrifice and service, not through accumulation and greed. Life is to be found, as Jesus said, by becoming rich toward God. May we all become rich in God's eyes. Amen. We do invite those who would like to unite with our church to come forward during the singing of the closing hymn.
1: Thank you.